I felt we had to talk with Ralph Twice's widow to see how much she knew. Please go away. Please go away. I don't want to answer any more of your questions. We're sorry to bother you at a time like this, Mrs. Twice. We would have come earlier, but your husband wasn't dead then. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Police Squad. Police Squad went six episodes with only one season on ABC. Today we're talking about episode one, which is called A Substantial Gift, The Broken Promise, originally airing March 4th, 1982. So to get things started... I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, most of the boys, Gordo, Joe, and Ferg. Nick's not here this week. What's going on, guys? Hello. Heyo. Just like your mother when she gets out of the shower. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. I thought you were going to go with the daddy-eating monster. Was <laughs> <laughs> daddy heaven? <laughs> like, a, lot of, yeah, was, was a lot of quotes. Um, before we get any further, I just want to remind everyone, go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to where you can listen to us, everywhere you can follow us on social media. S1e1pod on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow there. Say hello. We like talking to you guys. Uh, but yeah, move forward. Police Squad. Who, Gordon, this is your pick, correct? Correct. And any particular reason? Uh, I don't know. I thought... I. Is this the first show that I have back that I'm like from the shadow ban realm? Ooh, no, I think you had one in between. For those of you who are fairly new to our show, there's a lot of times where Gordo, so we alternate taking picks for the show and then we'll like kind of do group picks once in a while. Gordo keeps betting away his picks, which is something that none of us do, (laughs) but um, Gordo's always so confident and always so wrong and somehow loses his pick almost every round. Has never once worked. No. Uh, so I figured that I forget where we were talking about this show. We're talking about Naked Gun and Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen has come up on our show a bunch. Yeah, he has, and it's a show that I've wanted to pick for a while because I'm so curious to see because this was his first foray into comedy, isn't it? I want to say airplanes before this, I believe. I thought I think this was the same before... year as maybe Airplane 2, the sequel. I think Airplane's like 79 or 80. He okay. may have made this, and then Airplane came out, and that's why it got picked back up. I forget. See, this is why yeah. I should have watched that special right before. Either way, I, uh, I saw that he starred in the sitcom, and how can you not pick it? He's a legend. Uh, yeah, so, so I'll say I've never seen this. I don't know if any of you guys Neither have seen I. it before. I have. Nope. I was going to say, Joe, you were, you were the best bet for this. Yeah, this um, is very much in my wheelhouse. So I knew that this was kind of the predecessor to the Naked Gun films, but I had no idea that it was like in the way that he plays the same character. I didn't know it was yeah. to that degree. Isn't his boss also the same person in the Naked Gun? A few different people show up. I don't think it's his boss, but... Um, he shows up in the Naked Gun, though, doesn't he? Does he? Who whoever else is plays, in it? Whoever plays his boss that he's always like, and my boss was there. Oh, just to confirm, um, airplane was the 1980. This was okay. 1982. Okay. Okay. The scientist okay. plays the same character in the movies. I know that. Okay. 
been a while since I've seen the naked guy. Wait, you know who doesn't show up? OJ. No, not here. A couple like characters, I guess, are you know similar in their role, but different people are playing them. And there is a Nordberg in the show. He's just not in this episode. There's a oh, okay. Nordberg in the show. There's a Nordberg in the movies. Oh. And the actor who uh, plays Norberg in the TV show is one of the very first people to ever do full frontal nudity in Playgirl. He went full dong. Oh, oh what a fun dong? fact. <laughs> yeah. Full dong, huh? He hung dong. I looked it up. <laughs> I looked up the pictures. <laughs> I love that that's become part of our show is hung dong. That's great. That's one one trivia there. So I don't even know where to pivot from there. I, it's... <laughs> Speaking but, uh, of, we can pivot to being dong. sad that Leslie Nielsen never did a full frontal nudity scene <laughs> in his Dracula you know cape. How great would that have been? He totally would, though. If it ever came up, he would do it. Oh, he would think that was so funny. <laughs> I think we should start this, though, is to talk about the creators of it and everything else they've done and all of the joy these three men have brought our lives. So the creators of this, it's three guys. It's Zucker, Abrahams, and Zucker. So they did all the Naked Gun movies. They did Mafia. They did uh, Top Secret. They did Airplane. And they did Rat Race, the movie that Ferg and I constantly quote on the show. <laughs> Don't play Hitler's harmonica. So we it's do Hitler's have harmonica. organic John Lovitz in this one. The big horny bird who was one of the uh, mascots of our show. A oh, big horny bird. Yeah, those guys are just geniuses and worked for 30 years making the funniest stuff. That Good when, for them. Like, pa parody was like an art back then. And now it's like, blah, 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 whatever, like, whatever's popular. Like, doesn't have to. Oh, yeah, Isn't not that... another whatever. One scary movie came out, I feel like the art of parody really shifted. And it became it, to a point where it had to be extremely topical. Scary movie one and two fell back into to what we're talking about but after the wayne's brothers left it's like yeah. they forgot how to do it right because mm. all of those follow the same formula yeah sub um every, i'm forgetting how to use words every movie that came out after those ones like once three and four and then you had not another teen movie epic movie all those movies they all were like cookie cutter you know same thing same thing they followed such a basic storyline a pop culture reference out of nowhere <laughs> like where they lost um, it in those movies is they weren't parodying things anymore. Where, like, if you think of Loaded Weapon, yeah. like, Loaded Weapon is so oh, funny because it's parodying Weapon. all of those movies. Hot Shots and Hot, Hot Shots, Shots. Do <laughs> yep, Hot are Shots, funny yep. because of what they're parodying. Even if you go early, Airplane is just parodying all the 70s disaster movies, right? Like, mm -hmm. Airplane 75 and Towering Inferno and all those movies, so. I didn't know that. But to go full circle, um, Leslie Nielsen played the president in uh, the scary movie movies. To go full circle also, O.J. Simpson was in Towering Inferno. <laughs> also, just in case if anyone was wondering what O.J. was doing in 1982, I did try to look it up. Um, he was not, he was in between movies. I saw an interview of him saying that he was no longer going to even think about playing football. That was past him. But he was happy for his next movie that was coming out, which was called <laughs> Cocaine and Blue Eyes. Do you know what ruined O.J. Simpson's life? Cocaine and Blue Eyes. That should have been a fucking moment where he went, you know, maybe this isn't something I look into anymore. Well, I guess this is a good time to continue forward. Um, but actually, one thing I do want to mention is, uh, so I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, 90% tomato meter, 88% nice. audience score. So kind of jointly liked between critics and people. And then IMDb oh. gave uh, 8.4, which is like a user rating usually on IMDb. 
for a well-liked show, which is kind of surprising because I mentioned at the top of the episode, six episodes, only four aired, like, in order. And then the other two eventually got aired through, like, just random syndication. Like, they got played, but, you know, the ABC gave up on this extremely early. Yeah, I wonder why. I have to think that they came back into fa favor and fashion and being played again after the first Naked Gun movie did so well. Because there's no way I would have seen it on TV before the first Naked Gun movie. You know what I mean? They must have been playing it on Nick and Night and stuff. Well, yeah, well, we weren't alive when the show came out, so for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it. Yeah. it wasn't, like, syndicated, like, they were just throwing it on randomly. I right, think it but must yeah. have been, like, hey, let's throw this on every once in a while when a new And then once the out. Naked Gun movies did so well, they were like, well, we have this property, like, we can just air it, like, we own the rights, so, yeah, it makes sense. It's a shame we, they didn't make more. Yeah, you can only do so much, though, at that point, even with syndication, because you only have six episodes in the can, so, like, what can you really do? I remember reading somewhere that, like, it just works so much better as a movie. So the, yeah. it's just, the show didn't wasn't working. I mean, so. we'll get into it, obviously, but, I mean, to show my hand a little bit, I think it does work as a show. So The, the crazy thing about this working as a show is, if you think of the movie, they're taking very big swings, but I feel like they take as many big swings in this half-hour TV show as they do in one of the movies, and they kind of spread it out a little bit more. It's nonstop yeah. insanity in the show. I think the show versus the movie, they're using a little bit more subtlety. Like, there's a lot of, like, wild jokes, but it's not as cartoony as it was when it got to the big screen. Well, I think well, they had a bigger, they definitely had a bigger budget for well, the movie. Sure. Um, and I think that because of the, the time slot that they had, you know, they only had a half hour versus what, what was Naked Gun, like an hour and a half, we'll just call it. Yeah, they're probably 90 um, minutes like, each. Yeah, so you can afford to be, I guess, a little bit more stealthy with it because you want people to keep coming back. You kind of want people to buy the property and keep rewatching it and so forth and so on. Well, so. I think with shows like this, as, as wild as some of the stuff that happens in it is, I think the art is really in the dryness and keeping that like 100 percent, yeah. yeah. and that's what makes it work so like i when it's not too wacky but those jokes are in there i think that's kind of like what makes it really click because we mentioned nick at night and we think back to all those like dragnet and all those shows that we did watch that were in the same vein as a show like this but on the serious side and they really nail that vibe you know I, we'll get into it probably a little bit more as we start talking about the episode itself but just the way it's shot and everything it's like well done it, it was you know, for television, you know, decent budget behind it. Like, everything looks really clean. The sets were nice. I think they just did a really good job with this show and creating the vibe of those, like, 70s-era police shows, but bringing that comedy in there and, in a, you know, in that really dry way, the deadpan. Um, I, I just thought they married the two really well. And isn't that why Leslie Nielsen was picked for it? I think that's the genesis of him yeah, as a character. Um, because he was so dry. He was like a serious actor. I think Ferg knows yeah, a little bit like more Yeah, he's in like Prom Night that. and a bunch of other movies where he's like a detective in, for real, though. Like, he's not like a funny detective. He's like a real cop trying to solve stuff, and it works. I think when you're that good at that, you don't even have to be funny half the time because you can just deadpan it, and then it works, right? Well, yeah, there's a lot of movies, like comedy movies, where if you want to get like good comedic performances, you either have to be a funny comedian or just a great actor. And you look at, it's a wild difference, but you look at a movie like Dumb and Dumber, you know, only one of the two is actually a comedian. You know, Jeff Daniels is just a good actor. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it shows, mm. especially to go with Jeff Daniels, he was in within a year, Dumb and Dumber and Speed, <laughs> in two wildly different roles that were right. two humongous movies that he was great in both of them, right? Like, you gotta have the funny guy to do funny stuff sometimes, but sometimes you just need someone who's good at doing anything, right. and they'll always be funny in it. Yeah, I guess to get into, like, the episode itself, might as well get, you know, started. The uh, It starts with the actual intro of the show. And you kind of see that siren on the top of the police car moving through the city. You know, at first, there wouldn't be a lot to tip you off in the very beginning that this is going to be comedic until they start introducing characters. So you see, like, Frank, who's <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's character, first is introduced, and there's a shootout. And like, okay, whatever. And then by the next character, there's another shootout, but then there's just a guy on fire. They, <laughs> they had me hooked the second I saw <laughs> the guy too. on fire. Yeah. <laughs> also, the immediate raising of the stakes. Leslie Nielsen shoots his, like, you know, six-gun. And then when they cut to Al, it's a machine gun shooting at his desk yeah. inside of a police station, and then a guy on fire. Like, wait, what the fuck? And then, like, Rex Hamilton is Abe Lincoln. And then Abe Lincoln starts shooting, and that's yeah, when I lost never, He never enters the actual episode. There's never an Abe Lincoln character. Also, Abe Lincoln getting shot, but it just knocks his hat off and makes him angry. Like, what a great turn of history that is. And then it's like, and special guest, Lauren Green. And who's I, most of you, I guess, would know him as the father from Bonanza. I guess it was probably his biggest role that I can think of. Bonanza. Yeah, like, he's in a bunch of stuff, like, but like he's definitely he's Bonanza. credited as just stabbed man. Um, not in the episode either. So the special guest is just a uh, a part of the intro, and that's a recurring theme in the show. Also, on top of all like the funny shit, that's such an iconic theme song now too. I, I love the theme to, I'm gonna keep saying Naked Gun even though it's obviously the police squad first, but yeah. that Naked Gun theme song is great. It's now, also that point of view from on top of the car in front of the cherry cop light, you know, like that yeah. moving, like that's so iconic. Can you imagine being like a Lauren Green fan and being like, oh man, he's in the show, that's awesome. <laughs> Like, Ben Cartwright from Bonanza is going to be in this? He just gets and then, stabbed. like, the end of the episode's like, what the, what, did they cut a scene out? Like, what the fuck happened? Here's the thing about this show, though. I think it's a great reference point to bring this up. Like, why I don't think this show would work now is most people can't watch a whole episode of something without looking at their phone at least once for something. And you would miss so much watching this if you looked down for even a second. So I think it's kind of a funny idea to be like, wait, did I miss Ben Cartwright being in this because yeah. like you may have like turned to say something to somebody and you realize that there's so much happening at all times and he may have walked by then you didn't even see him right furthermore yeah. can you imagine being a big fan of Abraham Lincoln and being like oh he's <laughs> in this and then he doesn't show up and then you're like he's alive <laughs> I thought he was killing vampires between this and Bill and Ted Abe Lincoln had a real good revival of uh yeah 80s. he did in the 80s party on dudes well, actually, well, I I mentioned that. What, what was what was the official title of that? The Abe Lincoln Vampire Slayer. Abraham <laughs> Lincoln was, Vampire Hunter. Yeah, yeah, Hunter. They were. That's when like the Daniel Day Lewis movie was out, like at the same time, and it was like in theaters. We had two Abe Lincoln movies. Granted, very different, <laughs> but out at the same exact time. Like, what's going on? Do you know how fucking mad Daniel Day Lewis must have been about that? Like Daniel Day Lewis, oh who is like known as the most like immersive actor of all time yeah big like, method actor somebody walks on set during the lincoln movie wearing sneakers and he won't talk to them he's like what are those contraptions on your feet there and it's like all right buddy let's not do this right now I'll great actor this, the, the daniel day lewis one was probably more exciting than the vampire one man that movie's boring and shouldn't have been meanwhile did you see both of them or just the vampire one 
I'm saying the vampire one was really boring. But you saw it. I did. But did you see the Daniel Day-Lewis one, which is probably no. the more well-regarded one, see? No, I did so- not. <laughs> I didn't see the Abraham Lincoln one because at that time we were getting burned with all of these, like, biopics that were not good, like J. Edgar or The Aviator, that I wanted to be good, that I was like, I can't sit through nine hours of Abraham Lincoln now after not enjoying those other two. <laughs> which one is the one where um, Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney? I wanted to see that one. Uh, Vice. Yeah. That's really, really good. I wanted to see that one. Is that Jeff what? Tremaine, I think, did that? Oh, really? It's one of the jackass wow. guys, or Spike Jones, or it's some of that. It's one of that crew. I think it's like a Dick House movie. Probably someone's going to hear this and be like, "You're way off." But I was going to say, Dick if it's House either, it's, it'd probably be Jeff, uh, Spike Jones out of the two. But yeah, Spike Jones makes the most most sense. It's one of those. I have to look it up now. I'm sorry. Oh, Adam McKay. It's Adam McKay, the guy who does all the stuff with uh, Will Ferrell. Oh, okay. Also, okay, the one oh, person okay. you didn't say. Yeah, the guy from Anchorman, Talladega Nights, all that stuff. <laughs> but like, you don't expect that when you go into this movie about. Uh, Dick Cheney. It's like very interesting. <laughs> it's a very interesting and well told and funny movie. We get to the first scene and we see a man walk into the Acme Financial Credit Union. And we see inside Jim and Sally. Sally's begging Jim for money because um, <laughs> she needs another orthodontist visit. <laughs> and she's playing the role very serious. And like she's begging money, like almost as if, like, in a way that, like, you would think she had like a gambling problem and needed someone to lend her money. That's what I thought at first. And, and I was Jim's like, like, what? Yeah, he's telling her that he can't, because essentially it sounds like she's not asking Jim for money. She's asking Jim to take money from the credit union to give her money. Yeah, like under the table. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he says he has to manage the books. Yeah, he has to fix yeah, there's the an books. auditor coming in. So she goes and sits at her desk, and then this man walks in to cash a check. While like that transaction's going on, it just cuts over to Sally at the desk, and she pulls... She ends up pulling out two guns. She pulls a gun out from a drawer, and then she goes into her bag and gets another gun and starts to load it. And, like, all the meanwhile, like, you can hear in the background what's going on with the transaction. Like, this dude's just trying to cash his check. But, like, if you're listening to the actual (laughs) dialogue, it's almost like he's going to a doctor's visit to open up the account. He's telling him to turn left and cough and (laughs) open his toes. (laughs) Which means that he had that man pull his pants down and he grabbed his balls and had him cough after checking if he had two major credit cards to make sure he could cash his payroll check. (laughs) If you want to get your check cashed, you do what you got to do. So all this is going on while Sally's getting this gun ready. And then the guy cashes his check and then she just points over at him and shoots him. And then they do this like slow motion, just tight shot of his face after he gets shot. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like the, the the faces he's making at the camera which which are not that of like a man who gets he's like looking dead into the camera by the way at some point and he starts oh, like licking and his like, tongue out like yeah i mean it was very funny um this very scene, good face acting this is great face acting i feel like too so they make like there's like a music cue and there's no like dialogue from the other people and i feel like that's not a directorial decision I feel like this dude was doing this and everybody was laughing so hard. Oh, yeah. They were like, we have to just put music <laughs> over this because you can just hear the entire set laughing at you. It's fucking wild. And like when he goes down, Jim looks over and he's like, Sally? And then she shoots him. But like, <laughs> I like how he's still yeah, stamping yeah, all the He still stuff. has work to do. Yeah. So as he's like dying, he's like still, yeah, stamping papers and filing things. Eventually he goes down, but after, I don't know, completing what little work that he thought was essential and more important than his life. I thought that that was going to lead to a joke that was like, 
you're fired or something with the stamp was going to be like you're fired or like you know terminated yeah. or something i didn't expect him to just be doing the last of his day's work or like void a check that he made out to her so she could right. pay her bill like Remind me of in Mafia when he gets shot in the head, but he finishes his meatballs and then <laughs> yes. does. Yeah. As you said, same same creators, so you could see how that same humor like uh, bleeded from one project to another. Yeah. Uh, one of my absolute favorite things to make is you know like Italian Sunday gravy, and I always make the meatballs. And every time I put the meatballs into the gravy, I just think of in Mafia where they open the tennis ball canister and that's where the meatballs <laughs> fall out of. I think about it every fucking time. <laughs> now, quick question: When you make meatballs, do you like to give them a little pan fry before you put them in the gravy, or do I you... do? Okay, you I prefer it. that way also. All but yeah. stupid ass gravy talk. It's sauce. It's I've been saying gravy my whole life. That's spaghetti sauce. Now, there's the argument either way, and we don't. It we depends won't get into on what's it too in much. it. And gravy, then gravy, like, gravy is brown. My my mm, grandmother's from Italy, and she says sauce. I don't fucking care. Like, my grandmother says gravy, so I'm going to continue to say gravy. Yeah, my grandmother said gravy. That's what it's going to be to me forever. Now, and the argument my... was made before, and I don't think there's a technical one way or another, but the argument was always, you're cooking it with meat in it, ergo, it becomes a gravy. Yes. that That's when my grandmother would switch from sauce to gravy. If it was just straight tomato sauce, it was tomato sauce. But, but if you're dumping meatballs in there, now we're in gravy territory, because there's meat well, in it. I mean, as weird as I'll call gravy when I'm making gravy for Italian dinner, gravy. But I'll 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 put the qualifier of chicken gravy or turkey gravy or brown gravy for every other gravy. Yeah, like it's the lesser gravy. It needs an extra explanation. And like, if you were to buy like a pre-made one at a supermarket, I would probably say like get a jar of sauce. Yes, it's like it has to be like gravy is like prepared. Correct, <laughs> it like ragu is sauce. Right. Yeah. Ugh, barely. The secret. She's a mind. Anthony, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that Northeast Italian Prince? Corner. Everybody, sorry about that. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, when Jim finally dies, Sally runs up and like grabs one of the guns and wipes it, like wipes it down and get her fingerprints off. But then, by the way, still holds it with her bare hand and places yeah. it near uh, the guy, the first guy, the guy cashing the check, and she just like starts screaming. And runs off. Now, was the scream for comedic purposes or for her to sell this idea of she just witnessed a murder? To sell it. Selling, sell I the think. idea. I will say, though, at least she didn't wipe. Like, the smart thing you do in these situations is you put the gun in somebody else's hand. We randomly were watching The Departed the other day. It's a great movie. I just randomly we were, it came on and we got sucked in. And the end scene, spoiler alert, where everybody gets shot, he wipes off every gun. And then calls the cops like, you know, what's more suspicious when there's four dead bodies and every gun is just on the ground completely wiped off. And yeah, only one guy walked these away. Guns. These are all clean. Yeah. Right? It's like, wait, that seems like an oversight to me. <laughs> so now in the next scene, we Mark see. Wahlberg just has bags on his feet. <laughs> I love that. Sorry. So in the next scene, we see Sergeant Frank uh, Drebin, who's played by Leslie Nielsen. And he's driving through the city, and he's narrating the scene, kind of introducing himself. So he does a lot of voice narration over scenes throughout the show. And he says, there's been a recent wave of gorgeous fa uh, fashion models found naked and unconscious in laundry mats on the west side. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was assigned to investigate holdups at a neighborhood credit union. 
The best is the secondary joke here, though. And he's like, luckily, I was on my way there after doing my laundry. Yeah. So they throw yeah, the yeah, little yeah. joke in that he was up there. Yeah, he has they, laundry. They... So he went over just to, like, check it out. Oh, he knew it's happening, but... They call it back later, too, because later on when you see him driving, he just has laundry in his car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just car, keeps yeah. going, trying to find... So whenever this guy has free time, he's just driving up to this part of the neighborhood just in hopes of seeing dead women in the laundry mats. Naked dead they, women. Yeah, yeah. naked. And he does mention that he was doing laundry, and because of that, it took him about 20 minutes to get to the credit union, and that his boss was already on the scene. And as he pulls up, he drives, like, straight into a trash can. It's a dumb gag that it's used a lot, but when you just hit one trash can, the only one on the street, it is kind of funny. He meets the captain outside, and the, uh, he's briefing him on the situation, and according to the teller, who is the only witness, who's Sally, and the one that we know killed both men, what she had said was the man entered to, you know, enter the credit union, killed the other teller who was Jim, and then in defense, she shot the man who walked in. I believe his name's Ralph. We find out later. Yeah. Ralph twice. Ralph twice. <laughs> yes. And the weird thing is, as they're looking up, this guy Ralph has like no priors. He's known to be like a good family man. So something's already a little fishy with this story. As they're entering the credit union, you see, like, this body being taken out on a stretcher, and it's, I don't know, the size of, like, three men. <laughs> like It's, it's like, 14 feet long. Just keep yeah, going. It's, it's, like, way too long to be a single body in there. Which, at first, I was trying to justify. I was like, oh, maybe it's both bodies. But then, when you get inside, you see Ralph's body still inside, and, like, one of the detectives is, like, taking photos with it and posing. <laughs> He's posing yeah. with it. <laughs> and you also see, like... The chalk on the ground, like there's one that's in the normal like shape of a body, but one's like an Egyptian drawing. Yeah, yeah, one's like a hieroglyph. And it's like there, it's it's wacky as all this stuff is. Again, it's played very serious. Um, so a lot of this stuff is just kind of like they don't put heavy emphasis on it. It's just kind of there. So like the tone it's of there the, and they move. Yeah, and the tone of the show kind of works with Leslie Nielsen's like kind of straight narration because he, it, everything he says is always so goofy but he never says it in that tone it's always in a um really serious demeanor and that's the real dragnet thing too right he's doing the joe yeah. friday um voiceovers that you you know is being super serious when they walk in frank gets introduced to sally and he begins to ask her some questions and he offers her a cigarette and he just goes cigarette and she goes yes i know and he just has that like weird reaction like he does she didn't understand that he's offering one, and she just thought she was acknowledging that he's telling her that this is what a cigarette is. Which they, they use did that joke reuse. in one of the Naked Gun movies, but it's yeah. still funny here. Too. Yeah, they stole a few jokes from the show and put them in the movies. It, from there, it goes into like this: who's on first routine? This is a mind fuck. This whole scene. <laughs> it goes yeah, on for a while, I and I don't want to quote the whole thing because it goes on for quite a bit. But I couldn't keep up with it. So it starts with Sally saying, "Well, when I first heard the shot, and as I turned, Jim fell." And then Frank looks over and finds out he's the teller, Frank. What? Jim Fells, the teller? No, Jim Johnson. Who's Jim Fell? Oh, he's the auditor, Frank. He had the flu, so Jim filled in. Phil who? Phil Din. He's the night watchman, Frank. So it's a lot of, like, word puns. They, Jim, yeah, they Jim Fell is a person, but they're saying that Jim Fell. And then Phil Din is filled in. It's, I'm not doing it just, justice by doing a one-man show trying to tell you what, what the dialogue was, but this is going on for quite a while. 
it goes on and, uh, way too long, but it's yeah. shot because twi- somebody shot twice. Who was shot twice? No. <laughs> yeah, one yeah, guy's last they, name is twice. Yeah, the 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 guy who cashed the check, last name is twice. And there's someone named once. <laughs> yeah, it's someone else's name once, and it just keeps going and going. How many takes must this have taken to get right? I imagine it was a whole day of shooting. Uh, I mean, probably not I a whole know. day, but I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a one take. It was probably it, easier for them with cue cards and shit, like because there's no way you could remember all that word jumble. I wasn't paying attention to the editing, but I, there must be like cut shots for coverage so they can seamlessly yeah. edit together. Yeah, there's also the we think we know we think we know how we did it. Oh, Howie, he couldn't have done it. He's been gone for weeks. <laughs> no, no, weeks is the controller. So they're doing a lot of this. Um, this bit, which is again, it, it was very funny when you're watching it. They do this. And they do this. Jake, I uh, just joke consistently too, where you get people with these sort of names in it. But how he did it made me laugh right? so stupidly hard. <laughs> Guys, we all know it was Enrique Palazzo. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say it. It's either that, or somebody has to mention getting pushed down the stairs at the uh, World Series with the, in a wheelchair. <laughs> now, as they're leaving, Sally's still sitting there and she's crying. Until they leave, and then she stops abruptly because, I mean, we know as the viewer already that she did it. It goes back to Frank's narration where he says that he thinks Sally would make a good witness if there was, uh, this would ever go to trial, but something didn't quite sit right. So we decided to go back to the squad to see what the homicide and lab held, uh, had. So now we see the lab, which is labeled as such the lab on the door, if you read the door. <laughs> yeah. And inside we have, like, what looks like this kind of, like, Mr. Wizard, Bill Nye situation where we have a scientist inside teaching the kid about condensation. <laughs> and that's a, killed me. The, the just like uh, on your mother when she gets out of the shower. <laughs> Listening, tiny beads of... And then, yeah, Frank enters, and that's what cuts this lesson short. And when the child is excused from the room, the two get to talking. And then we find out if Sally's story was true, the bullet in Jim would have been much deeper if the holdup man was standing where he said... Uh, where she said. So now he walks him over to this area where they have two guns propped up on like stands facing stacks of videotapes to demonstrate how deep the bullet goes on very distances. And these are tapes of Barbara Walters interviews for whatever reason. So we get topical. the first one. Probably um, topical yeah, at the I moment. It, I mean, at that time. Yeah, for sure. Did like so, Barbara Walters. She did it for like 50 years. Right. So, I mean, you figured think of, she was so popular. Like when we were, at an age where we would recognize that. So this Baba we Waters. <laughs> Baba Wawa? <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So they have these two guns at very distances from the videotape. And they shoot the first one. It's like, you know, it gets like maybe half the tapes, you know, blow up from it. And he's like, see, it's like right um, Goes right up to about the Bo Derek Paul Newman stuff. And through Burt Reynolds. My <laughs> boy, right Burt. Right through Burt Reynolds. R.I.P. Burt. R.I.P. Bud. And then... He shoots the other one, which is where Sally claimed that the man was standing, and it just eliminates all the tapes. <laughs> right up to the point where she asked Catherine Hepburn what kind of tree she'd be. Now, is that a real thing? I Getting assume videotapes. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> what are these videotapes? Um, I didn't do the extra research to check, and I'm sure it's a very available thing, but I can only assume that that's probably like an iconic thing from one of her interviews i've seen enough barbara walters interviews to have like your brain just goes to like 
What do you think happens when you die? I'd like to come back as a tree. What kind of tree would you be? Like, that seems very much like how that conversation probably happened. And Hepburn at that point's pretty old, right? Because you're talking 30 years past Breakfast at Tiffany's. Was that, was that in the 50s that movie came out? Breakfast at Tiffany's? I think it was. Her no, we're going to go to the Google machine real quick. 1961. So pretty no, close. 61. Like, about 20 years past. That's only 20 years. Well, she wasn't that old then. That was a fast Google. I try. You know what the key is? I'll give you guys a little movie magic. The trick is to keep talking while you're typing it. <laughs> so what's crazy though is if you think of audrey hepburn i guess then in the oh it's katherine hepburn i'm thinking of audrey hepburn that's where i'm confusing it oh so yeah all oh, that yeah. Googling was for nothing yes i was like wait a minute 61 she wouldn't have been that old but george papard <laughs> looked pretty old but he's in the a-team and that's around this time oh, my brain hard. just goes i'm gonna say sorry for <laughs> so all of you trying to track joe's brain at, at that point in time <laughs> it's like what the fuck does it have to do with star wars <laughs> star trek i'm sorry the hate mail i'm gonna get so from there we get to like this next scene where we have frank and the captain in the car again and frank's narration over it saying that they're headed to a neighborhood called little italy like little italy in boston we have the north end and there's like little italy's and other cities but when you look behind the car the coliseum is behind them they're not (laughs) in italy they're driving through rome yeah Yeah. rome Now, hold on. Are we to believe where is this show taking place? Do we not in Italy? (laughs) They're not obviously not in Italy, and Uh, and, and you can't just drive there. He was heading to Little Italy, so maybe that was Little Rome in the background where he was coming from. They might whatever, yeah, whatever state they're in, they go all out, huh? (laughs) I will say that later on, I think when they're in the police squad office at the window, I think you see the um, Capitol building. Oh, okay. oh, I didn't even notice that. At that I point. didn't notice that. So, so I think it's supposed to be around DC, but that okay. also with this show, it could be one of those things where they change that every episode. Every episode. I don't remember. Yeah. So now um, they get to the home of Ralph's widow, uh, trying to find out what she knew. When we cut inside to the apartment, the widow is like dusting off like a lamp, and behind her, you can see the leaning tower behind her so um, sorry to interrupt but shouldn't it, it must be california right because he um what's it called in the movies the, it, they're at dodger stadium well you can't really count that yet though because yeah. that's a whole different like there's always retooling you know yeah. we even see even within tv shows sometimes when we go from the pilot episode to when it like gets an official series run like cities yeah, will change and things like that so i mean i guess because of speculation we could say sure but who knows <laughs> exactly because yeah, isn't the third one, 233 and a third, doesn't end up at, like, the Grammys or, like, a big award show in L.A., too? That's true. It's probably just easier to film those in L.A. and be like, we're not traveling for a Naked Gun movie. We are <laughs> shooting in the city we all live in. So, when we get into the house, and um, Frank and the captain enter, they say, oh, we're sorry to bother you at this time, Mrs. Twice. She's telling them, like, please go away, please go away. She's She's in mourning because her husband's dead, and she's crying. And Frank goes, we're sorry to bother you at a time like this, Mrs. Twice. We would have come earlier, but your husband wasn't dead then. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my favorite line of the whole episode. I thought you that might have opened with that one. That was that was my favorite line of the whole episode. I kind of wanted to go with his dialogue that he does next because I find that his his sort of rambling dialogue in this scene so stupidly funny. Yeah, so I didn't quote the line, but to get into basically what's going on is so the captain's sitting with her and asking her all these standard questions, asking if, you know, he owed anyone money, things like that. And she's like, no, nobody. And she says to them, like, do you have any idea what it's like to be married to such a wonderful man for 14 years? 
<laughs> and Frank's like, no, no. but uh, I did live with the man for a couple of years. And he starts talking about how that sparked slurs and rumors and how this man was originally, uh, eventually ran out of town. <laughs> and like, it keeps like cutting back to the captain trying to interrogate this girl, not interrogate, but ask her questions. But Frank can't let this go now. And he just keeps talking about <laughs> his history with this guy that he lived with. And like what became of him after that. It was, it was by really the end, good. he's living with that guy's son. But it wasn't what the is same. Happening? <laughs> Did you say he was a football player? What? Did you say he was a football player? Yeah, isn't that one of the things he says? He's a football player, like his dad. He's talking about the body. Because everything he's saying is like trying to be like a little racy, like there was some sort of sexual tension. OJ Simpson. Oh. Football Wait, so player? In, in Gordo's world, and I love this, I'm not knocking you, I'm from pro this. He was previously living with OJ Simpson's father. As a young man, and then as time progressed, he moved in with in, O.J. Simpson. With O.J. And I guess there's a world him. in which that could all be canon. Yes. I love this. <laughs> I like that one of the captain's questions to the widow is, did he ever eat chop suey? I didn't get <laughs> that. Because it's yeah, like an irrelevant it question. It's like okay. one of those things like, it, it's just, it, there's nothing behind it. It's well, also, too, as he's asking these questions, the widow is like wailing, yeah, more and more, like which adds to the to the whole like kind of chaos of that's going on in this scene. Yeah, I mean, because like I think she's playing it right, like she's playing it in a way that like, okay, your husband died, and like so, despite all the comedy, like it's a good like for the show. It's smart because despite how they're acting, she's being realistic, and they're living in kind of their own wacky world. And she's saying, like, you know, like, how am I going to tell my daughter that, like, her father's dead? And they're going over all these things, like, oh, uh, tell her you went on a long trip. And like, they how, landed on a landmine. How about a big monster came and took him to daddy heaven? <laughs> like, imagine, <laughs> imagine how traumatized a child would be, like, that's already scared of monsters. Tell, tell him he was traded for Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Reggie Jackson, <laughs> yeah. Right. Mr. October. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's some sports stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and again, yeah, she's just, she's balling this whole time. And that's how that scene kind of closed out was all these potential, like, where did he go? Instead of her having to tell, you know, her daughter the unfortunate truth. So now we get back to the next morning when Frank's returning to the squad. And it's 10 a.m. and Sally came in to, like, leave a formal statement. And I guess because they said the word formal, is that why she's like she's dressed like a, up and she's yeah. like dressed up, up like she's yeah. going to a cocktail lounge and the stenographer's in a tuxedo and there's a man serving hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres really got me. Yeah. See, I didn't even pick up on that. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought it was just because she stole the money. She was living more. Oh, she's all yeah, fancy extravagant. Now. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that makes first. sense to that, me that is one got by me. Yeah, because they said the word formal. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they're doing this. And See, there's so much in yeah, this episode. Lot. It's like there every is. single scene that there's like the, the obvious joke, and then there's it, it's oniony. There's it is oniony. Fine it's interesting layers. because it's like this, it's this like well balanced mix of really wacky visuals at times with like also the art of subtlety. So at one point, there's like these really like smart, clever jokes where like a, a word, if it slips by, you won't get it. 
but then also they're driving in the Colosseum's behind. So it's like it's it's interesting how they go with like kind of both extremes, but they blend together really well. So then Frank and the captain are sitting there and they're waiting on these lab results, which are then delivered by like a seven foot tall man who's and so he's like nanny from the Muppet Babies almost. Well, I guess you're getting more. You're getting his 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 torso, but yeah, his head's cut but he's, off. He's he's Manny. <laughs> yeah. So this man's nickname in real life was Tiny Ron, <laughs> which I love so much. But also, he's Lothar from Rocketeer, another movie that comes right. up a lot on this podcast. <laughs> so I sadly, this man uh, goes back in time forty years and then explodes on a blimp. Oh, cool! <laughs> R.I.P. I thought he was supposed to be like Lurch from the Adams Family. Well, That's like, the kind of vibe I got. I mean, he, he doesn't talk. He just. I don't think he's supposed hands. to be anything. The joke is just this guy is fucking tall. I, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. it's simple. It's simple. It's just that he's tall because he's not playing it like Frankenstein. Like you know, what yeah. I mean? the fact that he's tall isn't addressed in like his demeanor. But um, essentially, what we find out through these lab results is that the bullet penetration is showing upwards marks, and the two are face to face. This is like at this point of the episode is when I got to thinking. Oh, you know, I like that we saw the crime, and as they're trying to figure out what happens, we actually know who did it. Because most shows like this, you're going along the ride, right? Like, if you're watching like a like a CSI or something, you most of the time can speculate or you have an idea who who the murderer is. But yeah, here we saw the crime, and we're just watching them get to that point where, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, is it's like it's so smart in a way that. I don't even know if it's deliberate, I, but I just like that perspective because that's not usually how we see crime drama or anything like that. So it was cool to see the crime first and know who did it the whole time. You're like yeah. in on it. It's smart. Yeah. yeah. It's per- it makes you perceptive to just the other stuff going on and not trying to be in the back of your head thinking, is this person the one who did it? Right. Like, yeah. It gets you out of like Agatha yeah. Christie mode and you can just enjoy what's happening around it. Yeah. It's exactly. like one less distraction almost. Yeah. I think that's smart with the show because like when you when you watch like a Columbo or something like that you're trying to figure it out or like murder she wrote or diagnosis murder or One something more along thing. those by Columbo impersonation that's for the two people who are gonna who are gonna know that and then so then after they get all this information Frank leans into the phone and says get me uh Pete over at Homicide tell him I want to meet him and a few of his men down at the Acme Credit Union and then when they change perspective, you find out he's not on the phone. He's, <laughs> he's talking, he's talking to, to a little person. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird bait and switch, hot, cold, big, tall. Like It's yeah. so wild and so funny because it's just that's, so jarring. That's one of those ones that, like, even though, like, a show like this has these twists throughout the whole episode, you don't expect it. <laughs> so when they no. get the perspective... And it's just the camera looking down on this little person. He's like, oh, uh, right away, sir. And walks off. You go, what the fuck just happened? I love it, too, because it's not punching down either. It's not making fun of that person for being a little person. It's just being like, there's a really tall person. Now there's a really small person. It's anyway, just, yeah, you're it's, like, it's that's just funny to you. see it together. Yeah, it's just the perspective is tricking you. And that's all it is. It, it's that we simple. Didn't get them together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like a missed opportunity. It's simple, though. Simple, simple humor that just works. Like you don't need to go over the top for with something like that to to be funny. I mean, we mentioned Dracula Dead and loving it a lot on this, but doesn't this feel very Mel Brooksy? 
in certain times. Like those he sort of does. jokes feel very Mel Brooksy to me. I thought for a long time that Mel Brooks did the Naked Gun movies because they're so similar to his style. But yeah, you can. Older. Yeah, there's a lot of that not. similar tone, sure. And then at this point of the episode, we're like right at like the dead center point, and that's when it says Act Two, Yankees One. And uh, I was thinking about like, is that like? Ooh. At that point, was things like that ha- like did they separate television into acts like that? Maybe uh, police shows, not in the eighties. Like I couldn't remember something like like if that was parody of something or if the joke was just the Yankees. One thing was what they wanted to show you. I think it's just a joke, like something to like to make a score joke. I think it literally is just a throwaway. Somebody made that joke to be well, no, because they also do an epilogue. At the end, that is true. They so, do the like, plug, yeah, yeah. So, I guess that that does work. But in any event, yeah, it was just kind of well, like a Dragnet. quick joke. I'm trying to remember. I think Dragnet at the yeah. end does an explanation. It's been a long time since I've yeah. watched Dragnet, but they do like yeah, the but... dun 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 dun, and the people will show their like mug shots and they explain what happened. So maybe it is. Maybe there is an act break in like Dragnet. I don't know. I hated Dragnet, but I never watched it. I like the movie. Oh, the but... movie is fantastic. I was trying to figure out, and we've talked about this in a past episode, not that long ago. But I can't remember if Dragnet was the one that had the huffing paint episode, which was like this like famous episode of Yeah, I think TV. that's Dragnet. Yeah, um, I don't think it is. T- anyways, to go forward, uh, Frank has two men set up in these like positions where Ralph and Jim were in the credit union, and there's like you know like kind of like a string from the gun to the to the to where Jim was standing to kind of see the trajectory of the bullet, and he's just trying to like get all the angles right and figure out like if this is possible. But then he has the man actually shoot. And it kills yeah. the guy who's standing in Jim's spot and, like, he dies. And then another man steps up right after that into the same spot. And then, like, they're continuing to check things. Only, like, the gunman changes the angle of the gun and shoots again and kills this guy as well. I love this so much because I'm a huge, like, fanatic of cop movies Murders. and cop uh, TV shows, especially from back then. And you can always see, like, especially in, like, Charles Bronson movies and stuff, right? Like, by the time you hit the 80s, they really start pushing all of the, like, hey, this is interesting. Like, CSI is interesting because it is, but we all know what that stuff is now. But when it started becoming new, when they were like, what do you mean blood typing, right? Like, they were like, oh, okay. Or, like, <laughs> the, the things where they show the string coming out. Like, it's an interesting thing that they overdid once that was, like, a right. thing people knew how to do. So I love that they set you up for that and then just bait and switch you and just shoot real people. Like, what is happening? I love that you used the Charles Bronson voice to say that. <laughs> well, I was thinking of uh, his movie 10 to Midnight where there's a, a whole uh, DNA blood typing thing. And then after that second guy goes down, you get like a couple different shots where Frank's like off on his own trying to like figure out like what's going on. But you keep seeing guys get shot and like falling past him in the background as he's trying to like hypothesize like what what happened in uh, in this credit union before. And now it's like hours later and you just see like a stack of bodies behind him as he's talking on the phone. So in order to find out how two men died, about six or seven men had to die <laughs> just to um figure out the angle of bullets. It's also dark that they had to somebody stacked them. Like, they didn't yeah. fall and then get shot and then jump five feet onto the next guy. Right. Like somebody then stacked all the bodies up? Well, if they were all standing in the same spot, they would have landed on top of each other. That's also they, true. That's true, but they were very neat. Yeah. This was... And they were all, like, face down. So they were, um... 
there was a if stack. I was to stack bodies, I would do it two this way, two that way, going up, like Jenga. Oh, like, like sometimes Lincoln you do that when you're... Jenga. It's yeah, actually an effective way to um, set up logs, too, when you want to have a fire. You yeah, build, yeah. like, a little box. And humans burn. Fat burns quick. Yeah, okay. So, anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so we cut to Frank heading outside to get his shoes shined, and he asked the man what the word around town is, and he slips him a little bit of money. Now, the shoe shine guy um, starts telling him a little bit about the homicide, and tells him that he's barking up the wrong tree with Ralph. And kind of same sentiment we heard earlier when they were talking about him um, with the captains that he's like a good family guy. He's just, he's, it's definitely not him. So this is just like such a old cop show trope. They always have that the guy in the street. He's like a shoe shiner or like a newsboy or something. Just And he just knows everything going on uh, around town just from just being out in the street all day. They have their ear to the yeah. ground for all of it. Yeah. Also, the character's name is Johnny the Snitch, which I just think is such a good, <laughs> good name for a character. And he's the one who's telling them, like, how Sally used to go with this guy named Joe Serlos, and uh, until she started getting involved with numbers and got caught up in a bunch of scams, and then for, like, a few more bucks, he tells Frank where he can find Serlo, and then um, Frank walks off, and then, like, a priest walks into the spot next to get his shoes shined, and he's like... What do you know about life after death? He's like, I don't know anything about it. And then the priest hands him some money and he's like, you talking existential being or anthropomorphic uh, deity? This is I a fun little funny. way to like, if you're going to put somebody else on it to ask a question, that's perfect. I don't remember if they recur this gag or not, but it's a good gag to have. Agreed. I'm trying to think like if there was, um, there are always like the guys who seem to know everything about everything going on. It's like, how did, like, how does such information get leaked around? Like it's, it's like public knowledge, but it's not, you know? I would imagine back... Well, look at social media. Well, that's right? a lot easier to spread info now, but the idea, like, back then, it's, it's like, the role of, like, that shoeshine guy, that did exist in, like, in yeah. life, you know, even though it's being played for comedy. I but the, the idea of, like... is, like, he's in the... He's there, these people are getting their shoes done, and they're talking to their friends and stuff. And yeah, so they're just, just always listening. Collecting in. information all yeah. day long. Also, like a bartender, right? Like, you've, we've all been at bars before where the person next to you is just, like, telling their whole life story to the bartender, and they're sort of sitting there glassy-eyed, like, okay, yeah, okay, we, like, we I'm sure you just tell the same. And not just, not just that, it's, you know, thinking about it, too, it's, for the way you're talking about it, kind of makes sense in a way where people i think inherently and i'm not agreeing with it but like this guy's performing a service right he's like he's just a, a man working so if you're getting your shoe shine and your buddy's there and you're talking to him people like kind of forget that these are actual human beings like at times and like they're just performing a service so you're speaking freely like forgetting that you're like giving up your secrets to somebody nearby because you're not thinking about them in that way much like almost, say, two men were side by side getting a massage. And they'd be speaking to one another, and, and like the masseuse is there and can hear and can obtain information, but you're not thinking about that in the moment. You're just talking to your friend. And you're not two thinking masseuse. that, like, what? Two masseuse. No, one in the middle, and he's just one hand on each. <laughs> what, he's just going skiing? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's an octopus, and he's getting yeah. like 10 people. <laughs> Baraka is standing in the middle, just giving out two massages at once. My next question is, how often are you going to get group massages with people? Not yeah, group, I, but I, the, the idea of two tables in a single room is not weird. Like, couples massages is a thing. 
I have never been in a massage parlor where I wanted another guy in the room. Yeah, well, you go to a very specific kind of massage parlor, <laughs> so I think it's a little different than what we're trying to speak about here. Yeah. By the way, there is a website <laughs> called Tug Maps. Oh, God. That you can look up. Rub Maps. Rub, rub maps. maps. It's Rub Maps. Thank you. What's the other weird fucking thing you brought up recently, too? Oh, no. I love that Gordo knew it enough to correct me that I said the wrong website about uh, Rub and Tug. <laughs> what was the other one? my wife in the background again. <laughs> you mentioned something not long ago. Self in trouble Joe. again. Joe, what was the other thing that you had mentioned like that not too long ago? Yeah, Joe, oh, you had burning mentioned. People. No, it was another weird like map of where no, to get. You... Wasn't another like map of it massage was. parlors? It was Tug, Tug Tube or. I don't think it was Tug Tube, but well, you were just talking the other day about how you don't want to give your ideas away for free. Keep Tug Tube under your head. <laughs> I don't know no, if that Joe, was going to pop off anyway. So... You literally specifically mentioned this like two or three episodes ago. I want to say, how about was... this? Contest it was like Rub, it was like Rubhub or something like that. Yeah, Rubhub. That Rub was Hub. it. That might be it. Doesn't sound familiar though. But then again, things go in and out of this so quick that it's hard to remember <laughs> sometimes. You said you think about it like once a day. Joe says he thinks about everything once a day. If you counted the amount of times Joe says I quote this like once a week, Joe would have to literally speak in nothing but movie quotes twenty four seven to get all those out. Well, I'll put some cameras and some audio on me. That's pretty much <laughs> everything. That's how I speak when I'm not on a call. From here, we get to a new scene, and we cut back to Frank later in the night driving again, and again, you see that he has, like, this laundry basket next to him, so he's, he probably had the urge to look at some naked ladies real quick. <laughs> Dead naked this is ladies. my low-key, my favorite line in this entire episode is right here, when he says, one of those all-night wicker places. Yeah. <laughs> one of those all-night wicker places <laughs> is so fucking funny. You yeah, so you get to this place because he's looking for that Surlo go uh Surlo Surlo guy that um Sally was dating for a while. And yeah, it's at this place called like the World of Wicker, the all night wicker place, which is like it's made to look almost like a club, like a twenty four hour club, but it's just people buying wicker goods. And, and <laughs> I love how he's sweeping outside too. Well he has a nice broom with all that wicker. Rattan piece feels terribly out of place. And it's one of those scenes, too, where the whole scene was actually just done with narration. So we see him talking to Serlo, but you never hear what they're saying specifically other than what he's telling you that they're talking about. And basically, this is like in this scene, we're just at the exterior of the Wicker Place. This is when he finds out that Sally has this debt with the orthodontist that we already know about from the opening scene. And that she's been going to someone named Dr. Robert Zabatsky. And um, that ends up being the next place that he's going to head over to. So now we're inside the doctor's office. And you just see like a lineup of kids. It pans across. And it's like each kid has like headgear on. And like kind of it gets like worse and wor wor ugh, worse and worse from each kid. Uh, as they all have this like thick metal braced um, mouthpieces on. And did you guys read one of those kids was David Schwimmer? And that yeah. was his television debut? <laughs> no. Ding, 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 ding. Anybody seen that, Rachel? That's why he talks like that. Yeah. It's because he had all that. Bad orthodonty. Yeah, Zabatsky was um not the best dentist. You could say he was Zabatsky at his job. I'll give you that one. That, that That's all. I'm all for that one. Nope. I will not give him that one. You um, should have went but, silent. Yeah. 
<laughs> but at least you got one this time, Gordo. So better than normal. Um, did we? This also this whole scene just reminds me of The Simpsons, the big book of British smiles. Like that's what it feels yes, like it we're does. going right across <laughs> on. Did you notice what Leslie Nielsen's reading while he's in the office chair too? I actually no. didn't catch that, which you would you would almost expect there'd be something there. So I, yeah, I assume there had to be. He's reading a magazine called Veterinary Research, which is one of the magazines that's just hanging out at the children's orthodontist office. <laughs> well, all right. So they get donated magazines. It's not crazy. It's also not a children's one because the well, Sally the went there. Yeah, there. so he's, it's his family dentistry. Oh, okay, I guess that's that's true. Yeah, there's be kids and adults. But they, but they specifically say he's an orthodontist, and yeah. typically orthodontists work on teenagers. Is that well, not typically? I mean, you could have problems well, with your teeth and you're an orthodontist braces, when you're an adult. These days, it's a little more common. I, I agree with you. Back then, you you didn't see many adults with braces. Yeah, yeah, no, like no, no. Now, I guess yeah, forty years ago. Yeah, now adults get braces, but especially with them oh, oh, invisible line things. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but the idea of, like, reading something, waiting in the doctor's office, like, it takes me back to when I was a kid and they have all, like, those Highlights. highlight magazines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that was, like, fun. It was, like, fun to, like, go through those and, like, play the little games inside those magazines. I just remember reading, like, you know, three-and-a-half-year-old Spin magazine or, like, three-and-a-half-year-old Rolling Stone or whatever, like. Well, you're a weirdo. What are the highlights, man? When you were a little kid? No, not as a little kid. I mean, oh, going to yeah. the dentist's office and doctor's office when there were like still were magazines. Last time I went to the doctor, there was like nothing. There were pamphlets. <laughs> that was it. Joe yeah. Barber, who I know, I know Ferg went to for a little while too. Um, he just had so many like golf magazines. I was like, what am I going to do with this? And I actually golf now, but even even as a golfer, I don't want to read golf magazines. <laughs> Better than actually, the Playboys. A, Playboy is apologize. like a thing at barbershops. Uh, not, not with mine. my experience. Well, not the ones I've gone to. You. Look up people reading Playboys at barbershops. It's like a thing. It's an awkward thing, but it's a thing. <laughs> oh, the dentist, like in Seinfeld. That's true. I also want to go back Dr. a Wally. second. Apologize for even calling myself a golfer. I'm someone who goes golfing, but I'm far from a golfer. So I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression that I'm actually uh, capable of doing it properly. So, Joe, you, I... read, you read Playboys at the barber? Yes. But on my phone, I have a digital subscription. <laughs> he doesn't like yeah. it very much, but I do it anyway. Are they the back show? to... They're back to showing boobs and stuff. Yeah, I think that was a failed experiment once uh, Hefner's son took over. I think daughter. it was his daughter took over. His daughter, and Hef was still alive for that, too. Was like, yeah, oh, but I yeah, think at that point, just... Hef was kind of like, like, I don't know if he was, you know, really making decisions anymore. Bring the Is that back him, or like... you off the will? Yeah. <laughs> Joe, was that the impression of him motorboating Playboy no, Miles? It was him being cuckoo. Yeah, it was, it was cuckoo bananas. So, at that point, I mean, I understood the the logic, right? They were like, well, we're just going to... People aren't buying... People are consuming Boobs. nudity through the internet now, so they don't need to buy these magazines anymore. So let's just turn our magazine into, like, Maxim and, you know, and have all these other Make it more of, like, a lifestyle magazine. Yeah, yeah you'll find that shit online, too. So what's the... But to be fair, to be fair, um, an Who's old that? roommate of mine had a subscription to Playboy and would leave it in the... In the uh, Was it Joe? You used to live with Joe? I didn't use the butcher. Let's not use I... names because I think I know who you mean. I know exactly um, who you mean. Uh, yeah, this person so was a roommate Joe... of mine, also. But yes, and I never exactly. It's a it's a shared shared roommate of both Joe and I. And uh, but he used to leave him in the bathroom. And you know, when you're taking a dump, you get nothing else better to do. I think this is pre like smartphones. The articles in Playboy are actually pretty good. They were okay. always known Don't to have give me that. I, I, it was always I, a joke. I do but... it for the articles thing. No. 
But no, there was really you were looking good at a titty. journalism. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you this. You of course it, you were looking at titties I'll too. T- I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the name off there because you guys would all know him. But a friend of ours once. I remember taking a bus to like New York. I was on that trip as well. I know exactly. What and you're a friend like about. yeah, and a friend bought a Playboy to like read on the bus, and I was like uncomfortable by proxy. That's weird. That's aggressive. You can't read that the, on the bus. It was bus. the meet no. the parents girl one. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that was a right. traumatizing thing. You remember who was in the place? I just remember being like, you can't read that. It's like, I'm just reading. It's like, you, but you can't on a bus. It's not okay. <laughs> you got to buy uh, another magazine to put yeah, over. You buy like a bigger yeah, magazine to slide decorum. it into. But uh, to go cover forward. With, uh, dust cover for Grade Sports Almanac. Yeah. So the receptionist slides the door open and pops her head out to tell Frank that he's up next. And Frank's like, he's just going in for a checkup with the doctor. Just kind of a way to get in. And after he heads to the room, we see that the woman is just holding that small slider in front of her face. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it wasn't like she wasn't actually sliding a door open to like a wall. She's just holding something that's, I don't know, maybe like a about, window. Like, it's like two feet by one feet in front of her face and just slides it open. Like, the yeah, physical like comedy in this from, scene um, is pretty fantastic. Beetlejuice. I'll say uh, like we've talked about how how they do like they go from subtle to wacky. This was the most goofy of the physical stuff I think we see is yeah, with for that sure. thing. That was like the least believable thing. And maybe something that's a little bit more when I said like the movies got a little goofier. I feel like yeah. you could have seen this in the movies more than you would have expected from this episode. This is like an airplane. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of airplane. I know that it's the same people, but I don't know why this specifically like brought me to airplane. Right. I think him sitting in the chair is very reminiscent of all the scenes where they're talking to Ted in the airplane seat. Like, it's shot the same way. Like, you know, I think it's probably, yeah. Like, yeah. it's, like, triggering. And there's tons of comedy. Like, when the girl's hanging herself and they come back, like, it just makes you, it looks the same. So when he's in the office, like you guys are mentioning, he's talking to the doctor real quick. The doctor's, like, getting an impression of his teeth. And he's like, all right, I'll be right back. And he leaves. And this is, like, this scene I thought was great. Because it was a lot of great physical comedy here from Leslie Nielsen. He's sitting in the chair and he has like that, like, I don't know what it's called, but that thing that like sucks all the saliva out of your mouth when you're doing stuff like that in the dentist chair. The spit sucker. So yeah, so it's in, in, it's in his mouth, but then he's trying to like move forward to like go to the file cabinet that's next <laughs> to the chair. And when he does it, it kind of like fish hooks his mouth at first and like holds him back. So he pulls it out. Then he gets to the cabinet and he opens it up when he looks down because it's not in there anymore. He just starts leaking spit into the files. The leaking of the <laughs> spit is so fucking funny. It is so such a good gag. And he has so yeah. much stuff in his mouth every time they cut. They must have just poured like a mouthful of yeah. stuff into him. And he's just kind of going back and forth now where he'd have to like, that happens. So then he runs and gets the thing and throws it back in his mouth to like get all the saliva out. And then they'll go and look at the files again, but after a minute it builds up and he starts leaking again. It was it was really good physical comedy. And um the way he went back and forth, I, I don't know, I thought that was really good. I love too in doing this that the he pulls out the files and the files aren't wet. Like I love that sort of thing in a movie like this where yeah. everything would be splattered and gross, right? But like the one thing he needs is pristine and the camera reads it perfectly. Well, doesn't uh in one of those spit things, doesn't it go like right into the filing cabinet too? Yeah, like directly in, like a whole yeah, yeah like of directly, it. like they poured water in it, and it's all like bone dry. And through doing this, he does find Sally's file, and he can see on it that um, her debt is completely paid off now. And when the doctor returns after he puts everything away and sits back down, he's trying to ask about her, and but he's like 
completely inaudible. So when Frank's talking, it's just like, but like you, but the, the, but the dentist can understand him. So he's like, so he's reacting as if, you know, he's speaking clearly. He's like, oh, you know, that name rings a bell talking about Sally. He's like, but I can't really remember. And then Frank's asking a little bit more. And then finally he cracks and mentions like what was wrong with their teeth. And Frank like gets up and pins him to the wall. And the doctor is like, <laughs> and, and he's asking the doctor more questions. And you still can't understand a fucking, like a word he's saying. And this spit flying all over this poor dude's mouth was, I felt so bad because in an acting standpoint, like there's no way around it. This is coming out of his mouth and just spraying him in the face the whole time. And this whole thing is set up just to do an elephant man joke. Yeah, because um, he tells Frank, you know, he doesn't want any trouble and that he's going to cooperate. He's like, my God, you're an animal. And then, I'm yeah, not I was, an animal. <laughs> I'm a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty topical. Uh, that wasn't that old at that point, right? It's only a couple of years. No, yeah, it was, it was probably right around there. Is that what that's from? Yeah, yeah. it's the elephant man. Never saw that movie. Classic. Yeah, it's a. It's like, the, is it the first David Lynch movie, I want to say? Anthony Hopkins? Nope. It's good. I'll have to check it out, I guess. I just remember, like, the rumor in, like, the late 80s, early 90s that, like, um, Michael Jackson owned the Elephant Man's bones. I bought his bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that tracks. I mean, to be fair, if somebody <laughs> said that, they found out that that was true, you'd be like, of course. Yeah, like, yeah, you wouldn't be like, yes. oh, no. He's to take a break no, from staring at children's buttholes to uh, look at bones for the day. So now in the next scene, Frank's driving back to the squad and we're getting more narration from him. And he's saying all these pieces are starting to point towards Sally, but he still like needs more for conviction. And when he gets to the squad, him and the captain like meet up in an elevator and talk. And Frank's telling him how Sally paid off her debt one day after the double killing. She's been seeing that doctor for years and she's always been behind in her payments. And then all of a sudden the day after these two guys die, she has all the money and pays off this guy. So, you know, they're, they're pulling it all together at this point. But during that elevator scene, you have like a girl who's like a swimmer get in the elevator. You never see it from the front. She like backs into it. And then the elevator goes up, the doors open. They're at like an outdoor pool. She walks out and like there's this big pool party thing going on. Door shuts again. Another this like almost, goofy gag. This, this almost felt like Muppet Babies. Gun joke. You know, Muppet Babies where they'd open the closet door, and we talk about this sometimes too. And they're just like weird, like World War Two German Nazi footage of people <laughs> marching, and they're like, "Wait, why did they do that?" This felt like that to me. For something that's so obscure in the Muppet Babies, I Joe's mentioned this in so many episodes. Like it's, it's like really burned, burned in my brain. Yeah, it's I, so I, weird. I no, no, no. I'll give Joe this. No, that I, was so jar jarring. It's jarring and very weird. Understood. I remember they opened the door to Spider-Man before. That was a little less weird. Kind of makes you think of like uh, similar but not really in Wayne's World when they open up the door and it's like <laughs> the action movie scene. Yeah, the action movie. <laughs> that scene must have cost for Wayne's World so much extra money yeah. for that movie. You... Like the budget for the day to have all of those special effects and all those extra people for one second gag. I love that shit. What are you going to do with those guys? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it cuts to Frank at his desk and he's making a call and he's use he's using a cloth over the phone to mask his voice and he's calling Sally claiming to be Dr. Zavatsky. And when he starts to speak, you know, when you see him, he's not doing anything to like mask his voice other than the fact that there's just like a piece of cloth over the phone. But when it cuts over to her, like listening from her perspective, it's Zabatsky's like voice, like exactly. <laughs> 
And um, she's like, you know, she's telling him that they're through. That, you know, she's paid off and she's already made an appointment with another orthodontist. Like, how fucked up is this girl's teeth, by the way? It's her kids. Oh, is it her kids? Oh, okay. Yeah, she mentions in the beginning of the episode that she's got, like, her kids bill. Okay. Guess I missed that. Yeah, I didn't catch that part. I'm, like, 99% certain, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I thought that's what she said. In they any also event, say about 10 yeah. million words in this 30-minute right. episode, so I could have been mistaken. So, yeah, one way or another, um, he mentions that, you know, yeah, I do have your money, and it's marked and traceable, and then tells her to, you know, meet me in a half hour. So when he heads out, you see that um, police squad's written on the door, but in a weird way that is visible if you were to walk into the room, but squad would be mirrored. But if you're inside, police would be backwards and squads written forward. Like a weird visual gag for no reason. Yeah, because it's not even like, it's not that funny. No, (laughs) it's just like like, absurdist. Throw a thousand jokes at the wall. Yeah. Some stick, some don't. (laughs) And um, when he steps out, apparently he steps into some sort of a trap because a rope hoists him by his leg and you like, you it's because he tells him to watch his step. Yeah, oh, okay. Because she said, "Yeah, because he says she's already killed two men, Frank. Uh, watch yourself. She's a, you know, she. It could be a trap. Yeah, and but why is there a trap? And that trap seems to be because he wasn't watching himself. Yeah, but who set up that trap? That wasn't her. Again, he's this is mile a minute comedy. Some yeah. of it sticks, some of it doesn't. But they just keep going. And you don't see him like physically, like you see his silhouette through the door. <laughs> yeah, hanging him by one leg. Yeah." We cut to the corner now where Frank told Sally to meet him. And Sally's surprised when she sees Frank pop up because, like, remember, she's thinking it's the doctor because of his cloth that made him sound like the doctor. And he has to sit down, like, on a bench with him. And he's telling her how he thinks that she's the killer. And she's, like, crying and saying how it's not true and how she's never been in any trouble. He's like, yeah, that's right. Sally Decker has no record. But Sally was formerly known as Babs Caltrain. Notorious gunrunner in Memphis. Only difference is, Babs has red hair. And he pulls her hair off, and you see that she's a redhead. The gag continues because he keeps going over other aliases that she had before that and keeps pulling her hair off as if every time she creates a new alias, she just adds another wig and never just removes it. It just puts one new wig on. So one of the like... names is Zazu Pitts, and I don't know why I find that <laughs> so funny, but that is the best fake name ever. I'll say this, the first time I saw her, I thought her hair looked fake in the very first scene. Oh, I, I didn't... Th- I didn't think up. much of it at that time, because, yeah. uh, you know, the hairstyle was, like, on point for around then, so... Yeah. I just... It looked like... She looked like she had old lady hair. It was, like, white. It wasn't blonde or mm. anything. Like, it doesn't look like real hair. Imagine if... Good eyes. If she actually had that many wigs on at once, like, how hot that would be to have, yeah. like... Under stage lights. Yeah. And then she pulls a gun on him, and he, like, manages to slap it away. So she tosses one of the wigs on his face, and he screams <laughs> like she just poured acid all over his face. Like it was, like, ah! a dog attacking him. <laughs> also, before that, the last wig he pulls off, and the last uh, character he said she plays, oh, yeah. before that, you were a backup singer for Aretha Franklin, and he pulls <laughs> yeah. her wig off, and she has an afro, and I was on the floor. Like, this is so, uh, so stupid, but it was so funny. Naked gun. O.J. Simpson. Did the, and the uh, the wig to the face was actually used in one of the naked guns as well. Are you saying that Aretha Franklin is O.J. Simpson? No, but remember in 
He had the, the, the bit where he couldn't, get, yeah, he couldn't get through the oh, doorway. Right. Yeah. No, that was a big hat. That wasn't his um. Bro. I thought it was an I afro. that was an afro. He has an afro in one scene, but the scene you're talking about, he has a big hat. It gets stuck in the doorway. Huh. We'd have to the check out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm team afro here. I'm not 100% sure I remember it one way, but I'll Google it later. Also, speaking of hats, real quick, the, the building they're in front of in the scene, it's two separate stores. One is yeah. army hats. And one yeah. is yes. military millinery, which is a female hat, which is just like somebody must have thought of like an alliteration joke that day or like liked an old timey word. And they went as far as to put that in the background and not even reference it. Like, that's how dense this is. So she manages to like use the time once the wig's thrown on his face to get behind a trash can and grabs another gun. And now the two are having like a shootout. He's hiding behind that bench that they were sitting on. And it goes on for like a few seconds until the eventually the perspective changes. And then from the shot, we can see that they're like maybe three feet apart from one another. And mm-hmm. like they're so close that it makes the amount of shots that have gone back and forth insane because they've failed to hit each other from basically point blank range. He pulls out a megaphone that he brought with him. I've always wanted one. Tells her that she's surrounded and has to surrender. And now they're just like throwing shit at each other for a second. And she goes They're to throwing make a... guns at each other, and every time they throw a gun, it makes the bullet shot noise. Oh, was it guns? Like, I couldn't tell if they were guns. Yeah, because they, yeah, they were ran out of bullets. But they throw multiple empty guns at each other, and every time they throw one, it goes like, pew! <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that. She goes to make a run for it, but then that squad car pulls up and stops her. And then, this is when you get another one of those, like, uh, wordplay with the names. And it's like, alright, Sally, you're under arrest. Sergeant, take her away and book her. And then we find out that the two sergeants are Sergeant Take her away and Sergeant Booker. Names of two people. Such a good joke. I love that they like hammer that one in the whole episode. This next Sorry. scene I feel like was something that killed both Gordo and Ferg. Well yeah, it's like we <laughs> I know you got Sally's record from R and I, but how did you know that she handled the loan office heist? And it's like, oh, just a little hunchback in the office. <laughs> and then like, thought so. I brought that little hunchback with me and the little hunchback runs out. <laughs> I love that everybody has crazy names. It's so much funnier to me, too. They bring out a hunchback, and they just goes, thanks, Charlie. <laughs> like, why is his name just Charlie? Oh, by the way, um, so you don't have to look it up. Uh, you were right about the OJ thing. I did what I said you did. There is a scene of him with a big hat, but him getting stuck in the doorway is with the afro. That's with the afro. I thought so. so I yeah. mixed them up instead of you. So, so uh, it was right. Yeah. I should have bet. That's what I should have bet. No, you didn't. It fucked up. I would love to know what terrible show you would pick to torture us with. I pot calling the kettle black there, Joe. <laughs> I never pick shows to torture you. I pick genuinely good shows that you just happen to not like. You picked, you've said in the past you picked shows to torture me. But I still liked them. It wasn't like I did my only reason for that. I love you Mama's Country Family. Comfort. Well, that was the reason we have a show. Yeah, Country Ooh, Comfort was like a back. the impetus, so we had to do yeah. it. But if you if you were to go back and like for those of you who have been listening, you know, for the last two plus years now, Joe Joe's like just general taste is just different than Ferg. So a lot of shows that Joe picks, Ferg doesn't like. Gordo admittedly will Google like worst sitcoms of all time and select from that list. So it's a very different thing that's happening. Hence Joe things like it. homeboys from outer space <laughs> that we were stuck with. Listen, listen. That is a gem of a show. Listen, I'm glad we covered it. And if you guys want to go back and listen to Homeboys in Outer Space, I mean, we did an episode on it. 
Just think about how many shows you would never, ever, you know, and I will say that about this show, about our our show. I would never watch, like, almost 90% of the shit that you guys pick. I just wouldn't watch it. Listen, I mean, the irony of me hosting a show about TV shows, and you guys know how little television I watch, is like, you know, not lost on me. So I've gotten to see at least an episode of so many shows I would have never watched because but in so, any event, um, we get to the epilogue, and um, this is kind of the final scene. And Frank just got back to the squad from the arraignment, and he has like so many bullets attached to him at that moment. Like he looked like Rambo, like under yeah, he his looks jacket. Like a bandolier. And um, yeah, he didn't have that one scene earlier, huh? Right. And uh, we find out that Sally's going to jail, and that tall guy walks back up, and he's <laughs> eating a banana. So you just see like the banana in his hand, <laughs> and like during like. The dialogue, he's like, oh, you have something on your face to the tall dude. And, like, he's like, oh, no. He's, like, wiping his face on the other side. And then he wipes the other side of his face. And then just, I don't know, about a third of a banana just plops on the table. <laughs> it's so funny, weird. but it doesn't make any sense. No, it's just you know what, weird. You know what I love with the joke, though? It's like, he says to something, he could have done that, and the banana could have instantly fell. He goes to the wrong side, and then he goes to the other side. And then it does. So it's, like, it played just normal. Like, if yeah. you had something on your face, you wouldn't get it in the right spot right away. Right. You, like, you, no, it's like, yeah, weirdly, there, you like... always go to the wrong side when someone says that to you. But usually it's not a chunk that weighs, <laughs> like, you know, like, a significant amount that you would feel it weighing your face down. And how would you even get a chunk that big of banana stuck to your face? Because you're us, biting. It would, just, it would just be a smudge, but for him, because he's big, a whole banana. <laughs> That's tough. Okay. Oh, I so... actually, I see the logic there now. I didn't see the logic there. It makes sense to me now. <laughs> so um after that banana chunk falls off he, he walks away and the captain's asking frank how he knew that that money that sally gave the doctor was traceable he's like i didn't but she didn't either and then the two kind of like they're not actually laughing they just kind of like deliberately pose as if they're laughing to do the freeze frame so they can run <laughs> the end credits which is which is funny in itself because they knew that it was like you know in in the style of like parody it makes sense to do that but it's not uh, but, a real freeze frame. They're just standing no, still. no. They stay live, like frozen. <laughs> the best the, part about that to me is Leslie Nielsen tries his hardest <laughs> to be frozen and to not even blink, and does a pretty good yep. job of it. But Ed just is like <laughs> can't <laughs> handle it. He's blinking yeah. a bunch. He's spazzing. It's so much funnier than trying to do it right. I think they did that on purpose because if if they stayed completely still, you wouldn't know it wasn't a freeze frame. Oh, you would still know. It's very yeah. obvious. Unless, like, the gag would be if they did a good job, you have to have, like, a picture fall in the background or something like that. Yeah, that's obvious. true. You have to have oh, something that go on that would have been way background. better. A big chunk of banana falls. <laughs> yeah, just more banana falls from the, the sky. The guy we on fire runs through the screen again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Abraham Lincoln comes through. But, um, yeah, that's the entirety of the episode. And, you know, like, I don't... I don't have a lot of other, like, notes about the show to say, because it had such a small run, and really the only, like, big thing about it is that this is the reason we got the Naked Gun movie, and I said at the top of the episode, I knew that this was, like, the predecessor to the movies, but I didn't know until watching it that it's literally, like, the it's same everything. character and everything, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to mention about the show, um... Like I said, I, I've pretty much exhausted everything I know about it. Other things I want to say. One, uh, the woman who plays Sally is in the Charles Bronson movie Assassination, which is a movie I very much love. She's also in um, Brannigan, which 
if anybody ever wants to see John Wayne did two like gritty trying to be dirty Harry movies that just do not work. And the one that she's in is one where he goes to like swing in 60s London and it just it's amazing. Um, but the one thing I want to say, I love the show, but sometimes we watch shows like this where it just feels like things are just about to change so much that it doesn't work because of that. Like 1982, where like MTV, bright colors, I mean, even cop shows, Miami Vice is only two years away from this and it's such a drastically different looking thing. I love this and I think they like weirdly were able to update it later on to make it look a little more of the current time and i yeah, think like that's why those movies, movies worked a little bit more that they made three naked gun and then after that they made other parodies like wrongfully accused <laughs> that's the thing i, I mean you're right in that yeah. they did such a good job of parodying that style but that style was going away like soon thereafter so i can understand in that regard that it was almost and like just a just a smidge too late by the time they decided to do this show yeah, but then they like figure out the winning formula to just keep it going and always work. I mean, what year is Spy Hard? Like 1998? I forgot about Spy Hard. Yeah, and then we had Al's head blew up. <laughs> yeah, weird Al singing yeah. the theme song. The theme from <laughs> Spy Hard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at this point, I guess there's not much else to do other than do the Green Letter cancel. Uh, I'll go in the order I'm seeing you guys in. Gordo, starting with you. Uh, this is probably... One of the easiest green lights I think I've ever given on this show. This is right up my wheelhouse of humor. Um, I absolutely love Leslie Nielsen. I don't know what else to say. This is a, a perfect... This show brings joy to me. Um, and I want to go back and find all the other episodes. Um, speaking of that... Can we find this anywhere, Jay? Um, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't know if it's available like to view on streaming anywhere. I did look it up. I... You can buy the Blu-ray of the whole season for like fifteen bucks. And then I found okay. it available for download um through some places, and that was very easy to find. Okay. Uh, that way. So like usually when that happens, for those of you who use like alternate things to watch stuff. Um, like if you have like jailbroken stuff, like all those kind of alternate sites to watch movies. Usually, if if you can find something for download that easy, it's available on those. Um, okay. and pretty accessible. As far as like a an actual streamer like a Netflix or a Hulu, I don't think it's on anything like that right now. Okay, but it's tough. Right. It's one of those like we talk about it. It's difficult in that there's only so like there's six episodes, so there's not a lot of meat on the bone to like. Pay for the price. Like, are you going to get your money's back by acquiring this? You know, so, um, so I get it. I mean, it okay. did air on a network at one point, and it was again syndicated because it was. Yeah, it was on... an ABC show. So they, they, I mean, I don't know if they still have the rights, but they did. In this world of streaming, it's one of those things where, like, how little bandwidth is it going to take up to put six episodes on your servers? Right. You know, I don't understand why this stuff doesn't get put somewhere. But um... we need to we need to crowdfund that, but. Green light from, but to get back to the to the main point, green light from Gordo. And um, yeah, so to move on, Joe. I think it's yeah. What do you say about this? I think Gordo is completely right. This is just it's funny. It's kind of wild they were able to put so much into twenty five minutes of this show. And I wish more things would be like this now because I want there to be more things that 
make you feel like you have to watch and you can't look at your phone for two minutes. You know what I mean? Like to actually get you so engaged into something. Uh, it's sad to me that it didn't go on more than six episodes, but I think probably because of that is why we got the three movies that we all love so much. So for being the forebearer of Nordberg, uh, this is like the biggest green light ever. Bert. Yeah, I gotta stick with the boys here. Um, I will never cancel anything with Leslie Nielsen. Um, show is perfect. I, I I laughed like I said from the second I saw the guy on fire, and that was in the intro to the end. Like every every scene had at least one thing that made me laugh. Some of the jokes were goofy and cartoony, which I love, and then some of the jokes were smart, which I also love. It's it's just it everything was done perfect from like. The well-done parody. I love Deadpan. Green light. Yeah, so uh, I'm not here to rock the boat with you guys, but I'll be honest. When when the show was initially picked, and like I'm looking at it, and as much as I love Leslie Nielsen, I had a feeling I wasn't going to like the show. But I don't know why. I just thought like it, it would be too slow or old or just outdated. I don't know what it was, but my expectations were really low, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised when I went to watch it. And it is one of those shows that I'm like, ah, oh, there's only six episodes. So in one regard, me as someone who doesn't watch a lot of television, I'm like, great. This is like something I can like bang out in a day and be done with. But then also I'm like, there, there was so much meat on the bone here. They could have did so much with it and didn't have the opportunity. And, um, but yeah, I did not um, repeat everything everyone else has said. It's a green light for me. Um, I really enjoyed it. So um, Nick's vote, will we won't know until he tells us, and we'll have a graphic available on our Instagram, which will be at S1E1Pod, um, and you can check that out later in the week, but it kind of doesn't matter because we already have a four out of four, so regardless of which way he votes, it's already a green light from us, so congratulations to Police Squad, um, even though ABC thought you deserved a very short run, we're going to at least continue you on to episode two, so thanks to everyone who listened this week. Again, go to S1E1Pod.com, S1E1Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We love engaging with you guys, so hit us up. Let us know what shows you want to hear us do. But that's all the time we have for this week. We'll catch you again next week with another new episode. Thank you. Goodbye. I know we got the best OJ's. Zazu Pits. <laughs> <laughs>